This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parking or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello rich here with a reminder that alongside the stfc official supporters club the low strangers podcast is going live on wednesday the 13th of november 2019 the venue is the legends lounge in the county ground and it costs five pounds entry it's open to all but osc members will receive a drinks voucher up to £5 upon entry. Tickets must be bought in advance from either the website, which is www.stfc-osc.com, or from the Swindon Town Official Supporters Club table in the Legends Lounge on match days. It's going to be great fun. So the format is thus. It will be predominantly a pub quiz hosted by Vic Morgan. And then in the middle... I will host a Q&A with members of Swindon Town's current playing and management staff. And then we'll return to the pub quiz. It's a great opportunity for all of us to meet up, talk Swindon and argue over whether Spock was half Vulcan, half human or just Vulcan. I for one cannot wait. See you there. Hello and welcome to The Low Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, that's a goal! Thank you, Mr. post for Shearer. Goal for now. Steve White. Steps to Mitchell. It's another goal! Incredible hobble. I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cadwell! Hello, Ben. Hello, Rich. 
here we go again the perfect solution to the stress and the strain hey guess what the colin calderwood episode has done very well thank you to everyone who's listened no surprise that i'm glad to um it's been, it's been a even though this podcast hasn't been going on for for a long time it's only been about two years or so but i'm, I'm glad you secured your goat so uh, you enjoyed that interview and um, i'm glad it's gone down well my mood changes when it comes to my greatest of all time i won't call it a goat i can't <laughs> oh <laughs> That's right. I long, I long for um, that Colin Cobb was, was your favourite ever player, but um, I'm glad you, glad you secured him anyway because he is a, a bona fide legend. So uh, that, was, that was nice. Absolutely, he is. So this week we have two Plymouth Argyle fixtures to talk about. One we'll talk about considerably. The other we'll barely mention, but we will at some point. But we'll start with the game that took place at the weekend. Swindon Town won. Plymouth Argyle one, which was televised around the world. Yeah, I'm not sure where it went, but obviously um, there's a, an update on the club um, socials that said there's going to be cameras of sorts. And I think, I, I don't know if I've seen this properly, but I think someone tweeted uh, there's a, a screenshot of a, a link to Slovenian TV. So I'm not sure what's uh, going on in Slovenia that they want some decently to action, but there's um, glad that we're getting some sort of recognition. If you, if you check out the highlight video on the uh, club YouTube, it's it's a lot more HD and there's a lot more um, new angles than you normally get used to. So that's uh, that's very nice indeed. And Swindon are massive in Slovenia or whatever it is. Australia, Bosnia, Croatia, Denmark, Finland, Macedonia, Montenegro, Norway, Serbia, Slovenia, Sweden, USA. What a collection. <laughs> I really hope we get an increased fan base from at least some of those countries. That'd be a laugh. But um, yeah, I'm not sure why I only, only saw Slovenia, but certainly it's a... Uh, a wide range of mix. I'm not sure what, what they're interested in, but I'm glad they were because that's uh, unique and always quite fun. I look forward to having our man in Macedonia. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like uh, reminiscent to Kenya when, when people came from all over the globe to um, randomly turn up to a League Two game. So um, let's bring that back, please. <laughs> well, let's talk about the game. There were league debuts for Stephen Bender and Dion Donoghue. We'll talk about Dion Donoghue a little bit later. Matthew Baldry returned from injury and was installed as captain. Hunt and Zakuani completed the defensive line. Anthony Grant and Jordan Lydon occupied the centre midfield positions, while Keshi, Anderson and Lloyd Isgrove were out wide. Owen Doyle returned from his exile due to playing against Bradford to partner Jerry Yates up front. So, first half, how did it go? What was it? What was the vibe? Pre, because I know you never notice, but things have felt a little bit more nervous recently around all things Swindon Town. With a big Argyle crowd, was that noticeable? That certainly was, yeah. I think it's, it's rare you see um, Stratton Bank relatively fall, and it certainly was on Saturday. It definitely had that Derby-esque feel. I know it wasn't a Derby, it's only a Southwest clash, if you like, but it certainly felt like one, certainly when Plymouth scores those um, green flares going off on that sort of thing. And I think the atmosphere pretty much wasn't as anxious as I maybe thought, but I think, like I touched upon on the podcast last week, that I think that increased Plymouth presence sort of got Sinan a bit more motivated and they, they were singing songs through the team rather than being anxious. And maybe if it was more one of the more fixture, they would have just been anxious, but because there was such a, a large Plymouth following, the, the Swindon crowd played up to it as well, I think. I did like, in the build-up to this game, Richie Wellen's reference about how he couldn't care less about the size of Plymouth's fan base. Uh, because I would certainly referenced it in things that, that Plymouth were taking a lot, but he seems suitably unbothered. Yeah, I think it's, it's the correct approach. Uh, fans don't win your games as much as we like to pretend they do. And 
you know, if you were intimidated by the the, the amount that Plymouth brought over, you'd ex- you'd expect Plymouth to win every away game, which they don't. So um, certainly, fans can have an impact, but they're not the deciding factor on whether teams win or not. And um, thankfully, it wasn't the case on Saturday. They only got that. They only just managed to get that point. Now, I was following this game online, so I wasn't as focused on this one as I usually am. I've looked at the highlights. Sound pretty even early on. Owen Doyle came close, but didn't judge his header very well. And Ruddin of Plymouth certainly should have done better, but Bender saved well. How was how was Stephen Bender? Yeah, he's pretty much exactly what I expected him to be. And like you said, there was um, certainly one big save towards the end of the first half, and it was a minute before the goal, so it was certainly a game changer. I think he was perfectly solid. I think there's a bit of debate towards the end whether he saved a shot or whether Baudry cleared it. I think. I think it more sounds like it's come for glove rather than a head, but um, even so, if he does save it, it's a great save, and if not, it's a great recovery by Baudry. But certainly, it's um, it was a good display by the by the big <laughs> German, and uh, he was very composed, like I expected to be in in catching the ball and distributing it to start um, quick counter attacks. So Town scored right on half time in injury time, actually, and it was a lovely move with a great through ball. I'm very much a big fan of how. Doyle controlled that because it wasn't perfectly in line with him. He had to anticipate it, but it was a, it was a lovely move. Yeah, I was more surprised by the um, the nature of the finish. I, I wouldn't expect Doyle to be the, the man that, that dings keepers, but certainly um, the, the Plymouth keeper has almost to it, and he's left a big gap in behind him, which Doyle can exploit. And he, he certainly has done. But I think the um, the main t- talking point from that goal would have been the beautiful assist from Jordan Lydon, which is what we've sort of come to expect from him um, in recent weeks and. That was certainly the, the sort of best assist he's done in his short time here so far. But yeah, lovely finish by Doyle at the end to give Swindon a, a sort of deserved lead towards the end of the half. So you think it was, although sort of, it was deserved? Yeah, I think that, I think Swindon were okay. I think there wasn't there wasn't much at all um, during the game really. But I think if if I were team edge the first half, it would have been Swindon and then Plymouth improved in the second. And I think they would have been hard done by if it didn't snatch a point in the end. But I haven't looked at the XG for quite a while, but I have this weekend and Swindon came out at 0.7 and Plymouth 1.0. So, um, yeah, one all was perfectly fair, I think. And Swindon just about edged the first half and Plymouth the second. Yeah, so Joel Grant equalised with about 15 minutes to go. Uh, The messages that were popping up all from the Adver account that there was a lot of pressure from Plymouth and it was a matter of time. Would that be fair? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, Swindon were better in the first half and they weren't um, awful in the, in the second half, but certainly they were sitting on it a bit more and Plymouth was certainly the better side in the second half. So, you know, like I said, they would have felt hard done by if they didn't get at least a draw out of it. And um, even though it was definitely avoidable from a Swindon perspective, the, the defending wasn't great for that Joel Grant goal. It was certainly the least that Plymouth deserved and I don't think either side can have any real complaints really at the, at the full-time score. But almost straight after the equaliser, Woolery, he scored those. Yeah, I think um, there's, there's a question about Woolery later, which I'll talk about this this opportunity more, but mm. certainly he'll be disappointed by um, not being able to finish that, and that would have been you know, the game-changer that got Sydney three points rather than one, and it was a, a bad miss for him. So annoying, but if he could shoot more, he'd probably be getting in more. I think that's the, the most you can say about that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, no, uh, I'm no expert. I've got zero technical ability when it comes to football, but I do think Sarsevich of Plymouth could have done better on that volley, but Bender, again, it's a good save. Yeah, like I said, this, this is the debatable one where it's much of he saved it off. It's um, a, a Baudry header, but I think it's a save and a really impressive one, and you'd expect that to be nesting in the back of the net, and that would have been a, a really impressive goal by, by Sarsevich. So, um, so, yeah, a good save if it was one, and uh, yeah, a relief at the end that Swindon had on to the point that um, I think they deserved overall. 
So is there anything else from this game before we go to the questions that that you observed and you want to mention or anything like that? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was. I think it was, I was quite surprised by how little um, what what little happened during the game. It wasn't the the most expansive game that I perhaps expected. Um, I think Plymouth were quite attacking, and, and so we and I expected definitely a lot more. But I think it was um, surprisingly one of the more um, you know, composed games that we've seen in recent weeks. That teams that sat back and and, and restricted Finland, but even even Plymouth did that as well. So I was quite surprised by that approach. But I don't think there's, there's anything noteworthy during the game that isn't coming in the questions uh, in a second. So what happened in the post-match with Richie Wellens? What was his mood? He was okay. I, I must say I, I joined in late because I had to get in um, I had to get Ryan Lowe's quotes and away manager all difficult but I certainly walked in and he was just doing his usual, usual dissects and I think he seemed annoyed uh, generally but I think he was more happy that Swindon were a lot better than Tuesday which he, he wanted to get across but um, yeah there were certainly some interesting events later on in the press conference that some people would would um, would see as him being a bit mean, but he was clearly joking. But I think it uh, it escalated quite quite quickly. I think. Go on. I'm not sure how much I should reveal, given that Andrew Hawes hasn't given me written uh, permission. But there was there's one incident where uh, Andrew was asking him about the, the the bender save towards the end of the first half, and well, and said, uh, I think both me and you could have saved that. You more than me, and sort of looked up and down at Andrew's stomach, which wasn't the uh, the nicest bit. But again, you can. You can tell it was a joke, and then it sort of got worse towards the end of the presser, where Andrew uh, said that Leiden had now got five yellow cards. Um, it turns out now it's four, but at the time it, he thought it was five, and and then Wellen said, "Oh, you've, you've pissed me off. You've ruined my Saturday evening." And then uh, <laughs> he refused to answer the next question properly. He was sort of looking away from from Andrew, and again he was joking, but it, it seemed to linger for a long time, and he he looked away and then carried on his own monologue and. Uh, and and said that you know either of my Saturday evening now and then uh, he realised what he said and, and laughed it off. Who be in the football industry? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those where again you can't you can't tell he was joking, but I'm glad I was uh, in my position rather than Andrews. A little bit of space for Frank McAvenny. Away from Parker, not from Bruce though. Nyholt with a shot, took a deflection, he did. With Nyholt has equalised for Swindon Town. And bottom of the table they may be, but they are made of stern stuff. Let's go through some of the observations and questions that followed after this game. Adrian Kesey on Twitter says... I will take that in that I would have before kickoff. Bender looks like an upgrade on McCormick. Baldry back is a massive plus. We need to stop letting sponsors give man of the match. Don't care what they've paid. Donahue did well. Classic championship manager panic signing. Search by free transfer and attributes needed. But Grant was colossal in the middle. Covered every blade of grass. Yeah, I'd agree with most of that, if not all, and and certainly um, I, I agree with the Bender point of view, and he looked a lot better and and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think as a, a fair summary, I think Grant was impressive as well, and the, the free agents have been sort of you know uh, late panic, but it is what's needed, and and sadly that's the the life of what you, what you come to expect with the amount of injuries that have happened in in recent weeks, and and players going down and knocks and that sort of thing. Tyler STFC asks if. Anthony Grant is the midfielder we've lacked for a while. 
Yeah, it depends what your definition of wild is. I think certainly in the last two seasons, we've, we've lacked it. I think Dunnan and Gansey didn't work out under Flickhoff. And in the second season, we brought in Diego Aragon, who definitely didn't turn out to um, to be uh, what, you, what you're supposed to be. So certainly in the last two seasons, we've lacked it. But I think you know, it's probably only as, as recently as Ronin's three seasons ago, where we've had that sort of um, midfield destroyer that, that wins the balls a lot and, and contributes to, to tackling. So... Yeah, it depends on your definition of a while. If it's two seasons, then um, certainly yes. But if it's any more than that, then I think we have had these these um, these players before. Kirk Simons adds, it was an enjoyable game. Grant was man of the match, especially as it looked like he got an injury in the first half. Are you and Ben at all worried by the niggling injuries some players seem to be picking up? And what do you think the best solution for Doughty is? Because I'm not sure where he fits in our midfield at the moment. So we'll concentrate on the Doughty question because we do cover injuries in just a moment. So Doughty has not managed to get back into the team. And as it stands, it doesn't look like he's going to get back into the first 11 for a little while unless an injury pops up. It will need a formation change. I think I said it a few times in, in recent podcasts and you know, I, I think he'd get overrun as part of a team on midfield in, in a 4-4-2 and I think Richie Wellens must feel the same because I, I don't think there's any um, lingering issue there like there has been with um, the likes of Broadbent. So I don't think Doughty's in, in bad books at all, but I think as long as Wellens is going to persist with 4-4-2, then Doughty's not the man for it and, and that's proven with, um, with recent starting 11 choices. Robbo adds to this by saying that we should build the team around the likes of Leiden, Grant, Zakuani, Baudry... Doyle, Yates, i.e. constantly correct inspirational attitude and not the likes of Michael, I'll do it when I feel like Doughty. I disagree with that point. I, I, I do see where it comes from. But I, I do think Doughty is Swindon's Mesut Ozil, where because he's so aloof and, and that sort of creative midfield player, he, he comes across as someone who's who's lazy or not trying. But I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that opinion, but I do see where it comes from. But isn't it good that we can list five or six players that do have that potential of you know i think that it, i think the term is visibly grafting players yeah uh, I, I think that's certainly what one wants, wants to get across but um and and that's good to have those players like that and they definitely make up what is uh, you know a core of a team but yeah I, I don't think there's any lingering issue with doughty and i don't think wellens is disappointed with his playing style and from that it's just a uh, a formation change that we need to bring him out, but yeah, I, I don't subscribe to the theory that Doughty's uh, is lazy in any way. It's just uh, that sort of that sort of player he is. Chris Foote, meanwhile, asks, why do you think Wellens persists with Kane Woolery? Well, I think it's, it's um, described in that chance that that happened. I think Woolery is what Wellens would like. I mean, he's pretty much archetype Wellens. That player will do the running, and that chance at the end sums up Woolery, doesn't it? I think he, he, he pushed the defender, won the ball back, and then the shot doesn't go right. So. I can definitely see why Wellens does persist because Wally will do that thing that he wants to pressurise defenders and he did it brilliantly for that chance. But, you know, sadly, if, if he could shoot, he'd be, he'd be in the team more regularly and he messes that chance up at the end. So I could definitely see why he does persist because he's the sort of player that Wellens would like. And it's also worth noting that there's not a lot of depth at winger. It's only really Anderson, Isgrove and Wally on rotation until Jayasimi comes back. So I, I can definitely see why um, he persists with Wally, but I can also see and and do emphasise with fans that get frustrated by him. And he's on the bench at the moment. I mean, is that is that persisting? I mean, he's not in the first eleven. Yeah, exactly. I think he, he's always a, the, the go-to sub when his Grove can't get through the ninety minutes, or or in the case of yesterday, Anderson went down twice before the hour mark. So, um, so yeah, Woolery is, is a good rotational player to have. But I think there's certainly a lot of annoyance from Tuesday. I think I wasn't there Tuesday, but for one of the goals, it looks like Woolery gives the ball away and sort of jogs back to. Um, 
to try and win it in inverted commas. So I can't see the frustration, but he is going to be an important player because Isgrove and, and Anderson clearly can't get through um, 90 minutes after 90 minutes because it, it, will, it will kill them pretty early on. The first question from our man in China, Jack Tanner. Observations, having watched on TV, it seemed an okay match, if a bit niggly near the end. Fair results, and Plymouth didn't look like a side in mid-table. Do we normally have that many players go down? Are they being overworked or made of glass? I'd agree that Plymouth don't look like a, a mid-table side. I definitely will be. It's just been a middling start from them, but they'll, they'll be up there come May, I think. But, but yeah, yesterday was unusual and, and worrying in the sense of how many players went down. I think Anderson went down after about 10 minutes and then Grant uh, after about 25 uh, and then then someone else towards the end of the half as well. Sorry, it is Grove after 25 and then and then Grant about 10 minutes later. So it, it, it was worrying and, and to have three players go down in, in the space of a half was was not great. And But thankfully, two of them at least got got through most of the game. Grant got through all of it and Isgrove came off later, but Anderson struggled in that second half and, and, and had to come off. So I, I'm a bit worried about that going forward, but I think it's just um, getting used to Wellens and, and hopefully after a few weeks they'll be back to it but clearly they've been overworked with the fixtures and I think a lot of them are still getting used to that Wellens style of play so if they don't sort it out quickly we'll be worried because they are dropping like flies at the moment and, and Friars has picked up another injury and, and obviously Conroy's out for the season and, and, and Ballard will be touch and go for another few weeks still so that's a, that's a worry long term I think if they don't figure it out quickly. Yeah let's jump to Dion Conroy because it was announced that he is out for six months with the injury that he recently sustained. So that's, what, April, which isn't good. And I don't know if you can trust someone who's coming back from such a such an injury to be added to the last few games of the season or indeed a playoff campaign if it is required. Um, we've already talked a little bit about this, but Jack Tanner, as I mentioned, came back with a second question. Should there be any concerns that we've had to sign two free agents lately, possibly another, which we'll talk about a bit later, and might lack of match fitness be an issue, especially with Zakuani and Dion D partnering each other? And Brandon Guy also asks, what's the problem with the injuries this year? Well, I, I touched upon Brandon's earlier. I think they're, I think they're still getting used to the, the, the high octane Wellens, but hopefully they'll, they'll they will get used to that. I, I was sort of worried a few weeks ago if you remember that. Christmas would come back to bite them and, and sadly it's happened as early as October which is a worry but um, hopefully they'll, they'll all sort that yeah it's not a deal that free agents have got to be signed but by the same token they can't leave it and Dylan Conroy is always a worry because once you've done your ACL once you're always at risk of doing it again and sadly that's happened to Dylan. so I hope he can recover in 2020 as well as, as well he did last time because he didn't look any different after he came back from the first one so, so yeah that's, that's a huge loss and Although six months gives us a realistic chance that he could play again, I think, like you said, you don't, you don't really want to chuck someone in um, towards the, the deep end of the season once they've just come back from a, a horrible injury. So he might get the last month, but um, will be best avoided um, if if possible. Tal Pierce wonders whether amid all the grumbling, seventh, given our recent problems, is decent and gives us a platform to have a couple of weeks of consistency. Should we actually be pretty chuffed right now? Also, is there anything wrong with being flat-track bullies? Well, I'm going to mention the dreaded XG again. And uh, 
Ben Mayhew, who does all the um, sort of the tables that I that I pay attention to, he he updated the League Two table uh, last week um, prior to Plymouth of of where each team should be based on XG. Instantly came out third, so it suggests we're performing well still. We are in a position where slightly lower than where we should be, which is a a good way is a good thing and a bad thing depending on your take on the world. It shows that we might have been a bit unlucky, maybe defence letting us down a bit because the strikers are doing well, but. At the same token, you know, we're seventh and we, in inverted commas, arguably should be third. So I don't think there's anything too drastic in terms of performances to be worrying about at this stage. We're, we're clearly doing quite well there, but clearly we're, we're losing a lot of key players and a lot of players are going down injured. So there'll be a worry there. But um, as, as far as performances and results go, it's not too bad at this early stage. Jazric0181 says... Amid all the grumbling, with Lee Power supporting the signing of two new players on short-term deals to cover injuries, is it about time that the majority of fans start to back the chairman's intentions, not the minority? Yeah, no, never, never my favourite subject. Um, <laughs> purely because everything I could say could be uh, construed horribly and, and, and maybe that to be something I'm not. But yeah, yeah, I think I said quite a few times that I don't think he's actively trying to make the club worse. I think he does back the managers as, as much as he possibly can do. And we know he's not the richest chairman in the world, but I, I don't think he actively holds the club back in, in restricting you know, finances. I think, I think everything he can give, he, he normally does. And I think Wellen has touched upon in their press conference yesterday that they they did try and sign Donny Hugh in the summer and he chose Mansfield because of finances. But clearly because of issues that happened at Mansfield, he's been available on a free now and he has been able to sign this time. So... Yeah, I think I think Power is providing suitable finances to get these players in, but clearly we can't compete with some of the uh, clubs in this league like Mansfield and, and Bradford et al. Still link, how long Oh, slipped by Hazard. Well, the pass wasn't that good enough. Summerby. Good strike. You're listening to the Low Strangers Podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. While it's in my head, Swindon Town nil, Plymouth Argyle 3 in the Leasing.com trophy. Uh, Stephen Bender got his debut, Curran started and got injured, Ellis Iandolo got injured. Anything else? Yeah, no, I don't care. We're out of it, which is good. We've still got to play that annoying game at Bristol, which uh, takes up space in the calendar, but... Um... I, I can't lie. I, I am glad we're out, and just one more game, and then we're rid of it. And um, you know, we've had this, you know, moral panic this week, and, and certainly on Tuesday night where we lost to Plymouth, then we got them in the weekend. But you know, the results have proven that I mean, next to nothing, we we've gone from three 0 losers to to a draw. So, and they get the matter. So no problems there. It's just you know, just annoying those players picked up injuries again, and and that's why the ear hot trophy is is quite annoying. But yeah, I wasn't worried at all on Tuesday, and I'm not now, and I won't be going forward either. I'm still going to Bristol Rovers away. Who's with me? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about Dion Donahue, who signs again second week in a row where they've announced the signing in the build-up to to the fixture he is the first Donahue to play for Swindon but is of course the second Dion so we've got two Dions at the club at the same time we've gone 
double Dion. Between 1879 and 2017, there were no Dion's. Between 2017 and 2019, there was one Dion, and now we have two. So by my by my mathematics, which are not good, by 2025, we could have as many as five Dion's. How do you feel about that? More Dion's are better. Absolutely. Um, Leap messaged me to say that Dion Donahue didn't put a foot wrong yesterday. Do you agree? Yeah, I think he was perfectly fine. I think the sponsors gave him a man of the match, but I think he's pushing it. I think definitely Grant should have got that, but... You know, again, I think someone said in the um, the comments earlier that sponsors should be taken off duties, and I would agree with that. I think they, do, they just want to make the new player, probably. But um, but yeah, I think he was fine, um, especially given he he only just signed and might have been short of fitness and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, a good de- a good debut from him, and nice to have an actual left back at left back, and and that was solid. But man of the match from the sponsors was pu- was pushing it. But there, there is there is this one thing, this cloud that that hangs over the Donahue signing, and that's why he's joined Swindon really because he was given a contract at Mansfield he did play a couple of cup games for them and then he was let go due to an alleged or I guess it was it was found to be definitely a serious breach of club discipline in an event in an incident that also involved Jacob Mellis it's one of those tricky ones because there's a lot of fans out there that don't like that sort of track record do they no and I I can't say I do either but I, I always fall back on the uh, they sit on the fence that someone will sign them. So it's not like Swindon are giving them a career where no one else would. You can put him and McCormick in the same boat that if Swindon don't, someone else will. So uh, it, it's not ideal. I, th- I don't think anyone would would like it, but um, it's not like Swindon are saving careers. I think that's the, the main thing here. OK, well, we'll move on to the biggest talking point of the last 24 hours, which is not a 1-1 draw with Plymouth Argyle. It's not the signing of Dion Donoghue. It's not even the news that poor old Dion Conroy is out for six months, and it certainly isn't the 3-0 loss against Plymouth in midweek. It is the news that has been confirmed that former town captain Paul Caddis has been training with the club. Caddis originally joined Swindon from Celtic in 2010 and went on to make 92 appearances in all competitions for town and was Paolo De Canio's captain as Swindon won the League 2 title in 2012. It all went horribly wrong swiftly afterwards with Caddis not playing another competitive game again for Swindon and he was sent out on loan to Birmingham which became permanent and he became something of a hero there in Birmingham City. He was also capped by Scotland after playing a few minutes at the end of a game against the Czech Republic in 2016. Since leaving Birmingham, Cadiz has been playing for Bury, Blackburn Rovers and Bradford City. So there's just so many comments on this. Um, should I just reel off everything that's been said so far and we'll just we'll go with that? <laughs> Fire away. Yeah, okay then. So Ben to make sure that he remembers everything, but we can break it all down. So Ian, he says, do you think Caddis can still do a job for us or has his time passed? He is still only 31 years old. Daniel Thomas says, being a romantic, he would love Caddis back, but wonders whether he would get in the team. Injuries are killing us right now, but he likes how Richie Wellens deals with it by finding replacements. It's like starting pre-season again, and it takes time to build and gel. 
Hoju asks, given all the areas of the pitch that need strengthening, why are we going for a likely expensive backup at right back when Hunt has been our most consistent player? Swin84 believes that Caddis would still do a good job and is better than Tyler Reed. He says, I like Hunt. I think he's decent for us. But having Caddis back to fight for the spot would be good. Is more... Hanra Hanrahan says 1 million percent Cadiz improves this squad. A good four or five years left in the tank. Uh, Tom says he's obviously a fan, but is Cadiz actually needed? And then it goes on. Batch underscore STFC says that his only worry is whether the Cadiz of now is as good as the Cadiz of 2012. If the answer is yes, then yes, he's going to improve the squad and battle uh, for a start. But while injuries are very possible, do we need him? Jason Cummins finishes this section with, he's 100% going to still be better than any the current crop of shite we have. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jason, that seems a little harsh. Um, but look, let's, let's, let's dissect this because... Paul Caddis in 2012 was our captain. He was brilliant. The year before, he was part of a side that got relegated to League Two. He did very well at Birmingham. There's obviously been a decrease in form for him to go from club to club, from Bury to Blackburn to Bradford. I do wonder whether, had he not had that spell at Swindon, it would have been someone else whether we'd be wondering whether he's good enough because we do need backup. Rob Hunt can play on the left as well. So I don't think Hunt's position is in jeopardy at all. I think maybe Richie Wellens might be anticipating uh, a longer stint out maybe for Zeki Friars. Ellis Iandolo isn't a left back. And my child is crying quite loudly. Well, there's a lot of questions for me to digest there. I'm not sure how many of them I actually remember, but certainly one that stuck out when I was reading the comments on Twitter earlier was the one from Hoju, and, and sadly, you've, you've got ahead of me there. I don't think it's Kellis has brought him for Hunt. I think it's going to be because Fires has picked up an injury, and Iandolo, although they got on the bench yesterday, he's certainly a bit hit and miss with fitness. So I think it's with an eye of moving Hunt to left-back, see how much Donahue comes in. But um, I think it's more... Uh, a character assassination on Tyler Reed rather than Rob Hunt. I don't think he's clearly trusted to be that backup right back. So I think the eye is definitely to move Hunter left back and bring Callis in there if needed. And then Donahue and um, Iandolo and, and Reed and everyone else can be on rotation. But certainly Hunt shouldn't be worried. It should be um, Reed who, should, who could be bombed out pretty early on um, by the looks of it. Is that fair on Rob Hunt that he should move from right to left where he's been perfectly reliable? Or is it just a fact that hey, the guy's playing and he can do the same job on both sides. Yeah, well, the whole um, impetus of, of Wellens getting him in was that he could play both right and left. And I think Hunt's had a few shifts at left-back already when, when Friars was injured earlier on in the season and and uh, someone else came in at right-back. So he, he's been there already before and certainly I think that's, that's better than, than um, playing, uh, I don't know, Donahue in in emergency as he continues to, continues to get fit. So um, certainly I think Rob Hunt going to left-back is the... Um, is a better option, I think. Like I said, this is a bad news for Tyler Reed rather than anyone else, I think. Where do you think Tyler Reed's head's at on this? So do you think we'll be looking to send him out on loan in January for some for some for some regular football? Or I mean he's on a two year, isn't he? He is, yeah. So there's a lot of players in this squad that 
could be stuck if it's feeling kind of one of them both broadbent and tyler reed are here until 2021 so if they can't shift them pretty soon they are going to be stuck with them so Definitely a worry for Swindon fans out there. There's two players that are in pretty precarious places, both personally and professionally with Swindon, that, that aren't looking great for them and they're here for a potentially a long time. So it is definitely worrying that Tyler Reid uh, you know, could be ousted for, albeit a legend, but certainly a free agent that's, that's not got a club yet and, and could be pushing him out. So I worry what's going to happen there. And like I said, alone could be happening. Um, if if not, they're going to have to try and figure out a solution because, like I said, he's he's here for quite a long, a long time in in football league standards. Well, we'll all get to hear Paul Caddis's career story because he's going to be on Simon Ferry's Open Goal podcast this week. Excellent, uh, announce announce podcast and announce move. <laughs> Another point that Hoji made was about like where we need reinforcements elsewhere. If you had your way and you had the budget for one player, so the Paul Caddis budget, if there is one, what position would you have gone for? I'd, I'd probably be looking for a winger, purely because uh, as brilliant as, as, as Grove has been, he's clearly had some fitness issues. And, and you know, I mentioned earlier, there's not really like uh, a lot of depth there, given that Anderson is, is kind of a winger, but, but not really. And a lot of people don't really like Woolery. So um, in, until Jairsimi's back, there's not much depth there. So... If I was going to sign anyone on a six-month contract, I'd probably definitely go for that for that winger that I think we could have got in the summer as well. So, um, so yeah, if you're having a gunpoint, I'd, I'd go for a winger, I think. Finally for Smith, who finishes it once and for all. So we'll end the pod with a look at our next fixture, which is a tough one. It's away at Crew Alexandra, who won... 4-2 at Carlisle over the weekend. They currently sit top of League 2. Historically, we do have the advantage, but only just 38 games, 18 wins in the league. This is drawn 6, lost 14. Let's look at the ticket prices for those who are looking to go. Adults, £22. Over 65s, £17. 12 to 16-year-olds, £10.50. Under 11s, £6.50. Supporters have until midday on Friday the 18th of October to purchase tickets for this fixture. Tickets will also be available on the day for Swindon supporters and there's nothing to suggest the price is going up, but do not quote me on that. How did we do against them last season? Let's have a look. Oh, yes, we lost a 1-0 away at Gresty Road and a 2-1 loss in April at the county grounds. Before that, we had a good record against them, to be honest, and then it all went wrong. We used to give, for several years in a row, we were we absolutely tonk them at home. I remember Mason scoring that, that hat-trick, um, and I remember Yasser Kasim scoring a lovely free kick. Uh, days of being mediocre in League One. Happy times. <laughs> so what do we... Look, they're doing really well, crew, and they, I wouldn't say they're under the radar, but this is this is turning into a really great season for crew and we are good away from home but this is this is a tough one yeah i i like to see teams like crew doing well especially in league 2 because there's a lot of what i believe to be false narrative uh, you've got to be direct in league 2 and i think we've had it on this podcast as well that people have asked us to be more direct and 
but I think a lot of plenty. There are plenty of attacking teams that do well in League Two and Exeter, Forest Green, and and Crew were among them. So I'm glad to have been doing well, but clearly they're they're doing too well at the moment and they're in a position where sooner we want to be. But certainly a tough test, um, which has been about three tough tests in a, in a row now. So um, yeah, this has been a difficult month or so for Swindon, and, and Crew will be the last of what will be um, a selection of, of half fixtures over the course over the past four four weeks or so. And. Uh future opponents in the not too distant future anyway Stevenage got their first win as you wanted them to yeah and that's a relief so um, <laughs> at least if we do lose next Tuesday we won't be the first so um, so yeah I was delighted by that receiver just over the weekend I'm going 1-1 against Crew. with the exception of last season he's not been pretty um, goal fest against Crew, and the home one's been better and there's been a few four throws in there at home but um, I'm going to keep predicting wins now until we get one so I'll go for 3-2 to win the Ben, do we have anything to talk about before we go? You know I don't. So, um, so yeah, please let's just win a game next Saturday so we can end what has been a, a mini run, which isn't, which hasn't been very nice. I quite agree. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks as always, Rich. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.